Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of the L2 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Curtelli, and as always, I'm here with Mr. Luca Moya. Buddy, how you doing today? It, it was a good day for all Italians yesterday. How are you doing today? Man, what a night. Let me tell you something. I'm still not over it. It's crazy because something so crazy like that happens, and then the next day it's it's just gone, mm-hmm. right? So you just had to enjoy it for one night, and let me tell you, I enjoyed it. I'll be completely honest with you, and I think I'll be enjoying it for the next year and a half until the World Cup comes on. But they're champs, man, finally. Oh, my gosh, they did it. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm still not over it, but what a feeling. And what Luca and I are alluding to is Team Italy, the Azzurri, won the Euro Cup, defeating England 2-1 to one in penalties. Luca, I'm going to – I got to go to you because uh, I texted you after the after the match in our group chat, and uh, I knew you were going to cry after uh, – if Italy oh, yeah. won. So you let me uh, take everybody through what you were feeling throughout the game. First, it was the goal for England two minutes in. What were your thoughts there? It's like – just the worst possible start, right? Like you're you're in Wembley, crowds already going nuts because the game had just started, and then they're down one nothing. And what do we hear about every team that goes on the road that has an electric uh, home field advantage, right? It's like take the crowd out of the game, you know, get the first goal, you know, dominate the game a little bit. <laughs> Two minutes into the game, it was like a minute fifty or something like that the fastest goal in Euro history to a team that doesn't concede in Italy and England just picks them apart in the first two minutes off a counterattack. And I'm just there sitting. I'm still confident. Yes, but it felt like, and I don't know about you and for everybody else uh, listening when they were watching Italy dominated that game Mm -hmm. and they were down one, nothing until they tied it up. And it felt like the game started one, nothing like it was never tied. Yeah. We were just never. It's like we went into the game being down one nothing. Like I had to look at the score and say, "Oh my goodness! Like we're down one nothing here. Like we need to get a goal. At least if you mm-hmm. know you're tied zero zero, you're missing these chances. Where, like they have to score. And there's so many times where you see teams dominate, so many shots on goal, and they don't even score a goal. And it's, it's the Euro final. It just felt like me like this game was never tied. They were down from the start. They tied the game and. Thankfully, they did because they went on to win it. And penalties is the most stressful thing ever. Yeah, I, I know we talked about it last week when they beat Spain, but this is like for the final. Like this is an even yeah. bigger of magnitude, and it was it was crazy. But glad they got it done. Yeah, when when that first goal went in, I looked at like my whole family, and I was like, I was worried about this because in soccer, it is just so hard to come back like we know it's the Euro final and in past Euros, it's always been in a neutral location. So really it's been like 50, 50 on the crowd or, or not even that it's just like the hometown or wherever it is, their fans are attending. And I'm like, they're in Wembley, Wembley stadium. There's one section of Italian fans. And then all around is just England fans. And I was, I was worried. I'm like, this is, this is bad, but there's 90 minutes in soccer, right? So yeah, exactly. scoring early, I think that was the best thing. Like if it happened in like the 80th minute, then it would have been, it would have been, I think done for Italy, but I think it was just fortunate that they scored right early and then they really slowed down and they dominated the whole game. Like you said, I was still uh, very you, confident though. 
don't know about oh, yeah, you. For they sure. were playing very well. The mm-hmm. fans, by, by the way, you're talking about the ratio. 58,000 England fans, only 6,000 Italian fans. Yeah, like, that that's just goes crazy. to show you how crazy and lopsided was... <laughs> the stadium was. I felt bad when they did the coin toss for the penalty kicks and it was on the English side. Oh, I know. The Italian fans are all the way at the other end at the other net. So like they can't even watch, they can't even watch the goal. Um, those penalties is one of the biggest storylines uh, of this of this Euro Cup final. Gareth Southgate um, is really under fire from I some Brit. I would say more from the British fans and the British media, but there are some media members I've watched on social media and TikTok that have really defended uh, the decision of South of Southgate picking the young guys like Marcus Rashford uh, and Saka to to take those penalty kicks in such a big moment, and how he put Harry Kane first when I thought he should be shooting either fourth or fifth at the end. I think it really comes down to, and I've heard again, a lot on social media guys who've been in the dressing room and been in that situation where the coach is looking or the manager is looking at you, who's going to take the kicks at the end of the game in a big moment. And there's not a lot of guys who put their hand up, right? It's, it's all about the guys who want that big moment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can't really fault Gareth Selke for picking those guys. Cause those guys probably wanted to be in that big moment. You know what I mean? I know they're 19 years old, 20 years old and all that. And you saw the, I guess the pressure got to them. Uh, the Marcus Rashford uh, penalty kick was just bizarre to me. Cause I, I thought, he he stood still for so long after the ref blew the whistle. And then he shimmied a little bit, stopped again. I'm like, this guy is just taking too much time and then rings it right off the post. And Saka, his head was up a little bit too. Yeah, it, I just didn't think completely. it was. He didn't know what he wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like, what was your thoughts on, on Garrett Seltzgate's decision to pick the young guys? And, and they, they are – there was three black players that took the penalties and we know they're taking a lot of racism and like backlash for that, which is just totally disgusting. And I hate that because that shouldn't be a part of the game, but like, what, what was your, what was your uh, take on that? Based off the racism, um, just to start off with that, like England fans, like they're just, they're terrible. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, burning the Italian flag and and I get it, you know, um, all fans do that. You're always going to have those select couple of fans that ruins the image of a country. Like they're dumb Italian fans. Just because I'm Italian, yeah. I'm not going to admit it. There's there's dumb fans and everything. Hockey fans, you know, baseball fans, but whatever. There's always going to be those couple of of dummies who do stuff. But this is something that has been going on for England for a long time. Like the manager literally came out said, "Don't boo the anthem." They just go, they boo. They don't give. They don't give two dams about anyone other than the English players. And then to go and racially abuse, you know, players on your own team, that just goes to show you how disgusting and how, yeah. you know. Terrible. Yeah, they're just – there's no words for that. And that's a main reason why Italy won. Because Italy, yes, there's racism everywhere. We know this is a problem that, you know, the world is trying to fix. And has it gone better? I'm not going to, you know, say anything on that because I'm white. So I can't say – if it's gone better for it, if it's gone worse, but we do know that there have been movements. They, you know, in the kneeling before the game or, you know, the protests that happened last year, uh, things like that. But when it comes to basically off of these three young players and fans just going at these young kids, they would have went absolutely nuts if they scored those penalties. Exactly. And now that you miss, you're against them. You're cheering for them all tournament. 
You're cheering for them when they're walking up to the penalty spot. I guarantee you every single one of those fans were like, oh, yeah, Rashford's going to score. Sancho's going to score. Saka's going to score. Like, these are great players, and they missed. They missed. How many times have you seen guys Mbappe miss this year? Ronaldo missed in the Champions League final when he was a teenager. It happens. What are you going to do? You can't racially abuse someone just because that's not, it's not – it's not because they're black is the reason they missed. No. They just missed. And Don Rumo was the best goalie in the tournament, I think. He got player of the tournament. And on all the penalties, he was an absolute monster. He's a wall in net. Were they the best penalties? No. Rashford hit the post. If it's an, It happens. It's soccer. The ball's round. It's going to roll wherever it wants. It's disgusting. It truly, yep. truly is disgusting. Uh, and I hope that, you know, these players can arrive above him because they are really good players. And they are going to be for a long time. And, they play in England too. It's not like they're playing in Italy or they're playing in France. Like these, yep. all three of these players play in the Premier League now. Now that Sancho's moving to United, it's unbelievable. Like, why would you just? Why would you put down the future of England? Those kids are the future of England. Yeah. And then next tournament comes, and you're going to be like, go Sancho, go Rashford, go Sancho. Oh, this is it's coming home again. We're going to hear that another year and a half. Now you're going to be on their side when they do something good. It, it, it's terrible. It's disgusting, and I it it shouldn't be part of the game. And Luca, you said you said it really well there. And I just saw right before uh, we went on the air on TikTok, um, just a video of of Southgate like embracing soccer because this kid's 19 years old. Yeah, he just like... he had the whole he literally had the whole weight of England on his shoulders on that penalty kick, like and, and to miss it and. Gareth Southgate, he's had in his career as a as a player had a had a big miss in his career, so he knows exactly what what Sokka's going through. Yep. And you saw him embrace him and hug him, and he was probably giving him words like, "You're 19 years old. You're gonna have a great career. You're really talented. To make the English squad um, at 19 years old, you have to be really really good. So the future is bright in England, and this team you better watch out for in the World Cup uh, next year in 2022. Uh, on back to uh, to Italy, do you see this team being one of the favorites heading into the World Cup next year? They should be. They're going to be better next year. Scary to think they just won the World Cup. They're going to be better the next year. Uh, they got players coming back um, that were injured. You know, they've got younger guys that are going to be older, more experienced. You hope they're going to progress better. And this is a team that I think the dark days are over for the next 10 years, 10 to 15 years. Like they got yeah. the players. All their core players are young. Donnarumma's 22, man. He's been playing professionals. Actually, he was 16. Like to think that you're 22 and you have six years of professional experience already at 22. NFL players get drafted around that age. You already have six years playing professional soccer. Oh. <laughs> Glad he's on our team. Glad we can go exactly. from Buffon to Donnarumma. And, you know, Barella's all uh, young. And, you know, you're going to have Zaniolo coming back. Will they bring up Moise Keane? That's something that the Italians, you know, whether it be, again, is it a racial thing? I don't know. I hope he plays. They're going to be better. It's exciting to see. Hopefully they'll be back. They, I think, they, they still won't get the deserve they respect, but I think now it's starting to sink into people like this team has to be taken a little bit more seriously because of what they did. They didn't have an easy path to the finals, and they made sure that they won it. In England, I think is the perfect scenario for the Italians to smash the media because everybody thinks England's the best team. Everyone thinks England has the best league in the world. Well, a bunch of Serie A players beat them in their own backyard, so I'm happy. 
that would put a bow on this 2020 Euro Cup. Next year, we have the World Cup. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be next winter in Qatar. So uh, excited to see the teams there uh, and the whole world going to be watching for that one. Uh, Luca, let's go to uh, some hockey and we have some guests uh, coming on. Your buddy, Matteo, my buddy, Riley. We're going to talk some free agents. We're going to talk a little bit of Stanley Cup that happened last week. The parade for Tampa Bay was on Monday. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So let's send it over to them right now. I just want to welcome to the show now, first time guests. We got two guests today, Luca. I think this is like the first time since we were back in school, we actually had two guests. Yep. First of all, we got Matteo Legere. Welcome to the show, Matteo. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. No worries. And then we got Mr. Riley McGrath. Buddy, how you been doing? I haven't seen you in like two weeks. I miss you already. Doing amazing, fellas. I'm happy to be a part of the experience and I'm ready to talk some hockey. Big listeners here, ladies and gentlemen. These guys are longtime fans of the show, so it's it's a privilege to have them on. Let's start off with the Stanley Cup final. I know it happened a week ago, but obviously I want to get your guys' takes. The parade was today. Kucherov said some interesting things in his post-game interview, but let's start off with Vasilevsky winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. And I told Luke already, Riley, that me and you have a back-and-forth conversation about who would you take in a game seven do or die game? Vasilevsky. Yeah, yeah. Or Carey Price. Vasilevsky obviously comes out on top with his second cup. Did he, was he your pick for the Conn Smythe rally or was Kucherov in there? Kucherov was definitely in there. I mean, it's hard to come off a injury hurt season and then lead the playoffs in points with 32. The next best had 23. That was Burden Point. Yeah. They played together. That is a nine-point increase. That is a big difference in playing. Although he did have a great postseason, I got to give it to Vasilevsky. He is the first goaltender to ever have four shutouts that ended every series, and that's just amazing. It was fun to watch, and it was fun to see. Mateo, what do you think, buddy? Um, yeah, personally, I'd probably go with uh, Vasilevsky as well. Um, Kudrov had an unbelievable playoffs, as we've seen with those 32 points, but I just think that star-studded offense with all the weapons they have, especially in the power play with Hedman, Stamkos, and Sorelli in point, just, I just go with Vasilevsky, as Riley mentioned, just those shutouts in the series clinching games, just unbelievable. The guy makes timely saves, and in this playoffs and this run, I'd personally give it to him as well. Luca, last but not least, buddy. It's tough, man. I don't know. Cooch is – I feel like – I feel like the goalies are always the favorite because I think you just need a good goalie to win unless you're, you know, the Blackhawks where you have, like, talent everywhere and you have Duncan Keith back there and all that. But I, I think I, – I wouldn't have a problem with either Kucherov or Vasilevsky. I, I think Vasilevsky – I was surprised, I will be honest, because of – Kucherov didn't just dominate. Like, he was at a historic rate. Like, I think he has, like, he's like top five with the most points in back-to-back playoff runs. Like, it was just unbelievable what he was doing. But Vasilevsky, I agree. Like, the, the main point of – the talking point going into this was, you know, Carey Price stealing the series against all these teams leading up to it. And then Montreal met its match, what it's like to go up against an elite goalie. And they, they found their match with Vasilevsky. I, I didn't have a problem either way. So, Vasilevsky for me, sure. 
Yeah, Kucherov or Vasilevsky both uh, deserved it. Um, I was hearing Elliot Friedman talk about like the voting system. Like there are conditions when they vote, like all these hockey writers. Like if Vasilevsky gets a shutout in the clinching game, that's where my vote goes. But if Kucherov scores the game winner, that's my vote, blah, blah, blah. So Kucherov really didn't like he wasn't really obviously he was noticeable, but he didn't have such an impact as Vasilevsky did in that Stanley Cup final. So I think that's why Vasilevsky comes home with Con Smythe. And, and Kucherov said it. He's been telling him all, all season that, Vasi, you're the best. You're the best. And I don't want to do butcher a Russian accent, but he was saying in that post-game interview, he chirped a little bit at Flurry. What was your thoughts, Mateo, after that post-game interview? He had a couple pops uh, after before that interview. What did you make of it? Um. Yeah, he, uh, Kucherov said some interesting things there. Um, wasn't too happy with uh, how the uh, Canadians fans were celebrating after – keeping the series alive that was I found that pretty interesting that he went right at them about uh talking about oh you guys think you won the Stanley Cup he was uh pretty upset with that I uh I think that he was just um so upset with hearing all these things about how he didn't play and all this circumventing the cap and whatnot so he just wanted to bring the spotlight back to like his team and what Mm -hmm. the run Tampa's been on they the last two years they basically seem unbeatable in the playoffs so him um taking shots at all these different uh people and teams and cities and fans is just uh, interesting to see and brought some uh, entertainment even after the series was over. Riley, you must have loved the post-game interview. Oh, I loved it, Lucas. It was legendary. It was an Alexander Ovechkin 2.0 celebration, (laughs) except this time he had Andre Vasilevsky wearing the Conn Smythe as a hat. Yeah, during the parade today. Amazing. Just amazing. It was everything I've ever wanted to see out of an angry Russian after winning the Stanley Cup. Awesome. Was it Luca? Was it bad that he chirped Flurry a little bit? Didn't even remember his name in the post game interview with the Vesna conversation and all that. You think uh, that he was definitely bad? he definitely remembered his name? Or I don't know. Unless he was <laughs> unless he drank too much. It was one of the two. But I would have liked him to see maybe him bring a little pizza, you know, for Dano over there. Oh, big, maybe he ate ooh. a little pizza just to give a little shot at it. But I agree with him. Like Montreal fans, I think like, like let's relax. Okay, you got to win four games. Okay, whatever you've done up to this point, I don't care if you stole one, you know, at home. You got to win three more. Can you do it? Obviously, they couldn't. I don't think any team was going to beat Tampa. I don't think – but till we were talking about this other day, they haven't lost, what, back-to-back playoff games in two years or something like that? Yeah, something mm-hmm. since uh, – I don't remember the exact number, but it's been yeah. a while since they've lost back-to-back. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so let's relax. Yeah, okay. helps have an 18 million. Yeah, well, yeah. That, 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 oh. Oh helps too. Don't I give agree. me the 18 million. No, don't give me it. that excuse, man. Everybody, don't no, give me that excuse. If if the Montreal Canadiens had the opportunity to be 18 million over the cap, they do it. It's a rule. It's, yeah, it's a, did, in the but, rule book. It's in the it, rule but. book. They fold every rule. Like, what's the problem? I don't understand. Slimy. Slimy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Coming from the Boston fan, you're just sad. It's buddy, okay. We, we, buddy, we have guys on great contracts. We don't need to go over the cap. Yeah, and that's why you guys were golfing a little early. Too bad. Too bad. All right. Oh, moving we want on, to moving talk on. about golfing. Eh? Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Don't want to start that up. We'll calm that back down. Last question uh, of the Stanley Cup final. Was it a fluke that Montreal made it uh, this far? Like next year, the divisions are going to go back to the way they were. They're going to have Florida, Tampa, Boston, the Leafs uh, in their division. Like the wild card's even going to be hard to make with the Islanders, Carolina as well uh, in the Metropolitan. Was it a fluke, uh, Luca, that they made it this far, do you think? 
fluke. I don't think it was a fluke. I mean, they, they you know, you got to beat a team four times in two weeks potentially. So I, I don't think it was their playoff run. I, I wouldn't call it a fluke. I mean, it's not their fault they got Carey Price in that. Like, what do you, what do you want them to do? He's not going to let pucks in. But I going based off the divisions for next year, no. I don't think they're making it unless they unless they do some crazy stuff in the offseason, make some trades, or Suzuki becomes a 90-point scorer and Caulfield bangs in 40. I still think it's going to be tough because I don't think they're going to be top three. And then there's also Florida, and then there's also the teams like you mentioned, the Metro, to fight for that wildcard spot as well. So if they're not going to be the top three, they got to be – two of two divisions yeah I, I can't see that happening Riley what do you think buddy personally boys I do think it was a fluke I think that John Tavares got injured in the first series he could have tucked one goal throughout that entire series and changed the entire series you go to the second series Mark Shifley gets suspended for four games those are back-to-back captains being knocked out of an entire series that is an entire different team when you're missing your captain you go to your third series, they shut down Mark Stone. He got no points in that entire series. Kudos to Philip Deneau, but that's not going to happen again. You're not going to shut him down for another five, six games. It's just not going to happen. So personally, I do think it was a fluke. They're not getting back to the finals next year. Mateo? Um, I don't think that, like, I would use the word fluke just in this because um, it's it's not – as if it was like, these are one game wins, right? They got to win four. I do think that as Riley mentioned, they got incredibly lucky at times with Tavares going down and Shifley going down. Um, but they also did a lot of things right in playoff hockey. They had arguably the best goalie on the planet in the last couple of months, him and Vashlevsky are one and two, however you see it, in my opinion. Um, but then you also have, to, also have to look at their penalty kill. They had, a, I think their penalty kill was over 90% in the playoffs, something around, around there. And mm-hmm. That was unbelievable. They made they had timely penalty kills, um, great goaltending. They were very physical in front of the net, made it very difficult for the Leafs forwards to get to the net. Um, and then you also have to look like – so it goes both ways. In the – in the uh, I believe it was game five against the Leafs, I think the shots were 13-1 or 13-2, and they, they won Montreal in game five. Or, um, yeah, game five. Um, the Leafs had a power play early, and I think even in overtime, weathered the storm, and they went back the other way. And um, I believe – I remember who scored. I think it was Kotaniemi scored one of the OT winners. Yeah, game six, yeah. Yeah, right. it was game six. There you go. And the Leafs dominated basically that overtime. Dermot coughs it up, and there you go. So they had aspects of luck, but will I attribute it completely to, like, as a fluke? I don't think so, because they beat a very good Vegas team. Even though they were mm-hmm. a bit banged up Vegas, they still had their players. They shut down who they had to shut down against the Leafs. They did against Vegas. And Winnipeg, they basically shut everyone down in those four games. So I think it's a bit of both personally. And I do agree with you guys that they won't have as successful of a season next season. But um, I'm kind of on the fence there. It's a bit of a fluke, but a bit of a playing well when you have to, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They looked like they were having uh, the time of their life in the parade. They dented the Stanley Cup, if you guys oh. saw that on Instagram. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> they had partnered a little bit too hard. They didn't throw it across the boats like Tom Brady did, but that yeah. would have been a sight to see. Maybe Nikita Kucherov it probably tried. He had a couple, You know, he got sponsored by Bud Light. <laughs> oh, so really? It, wow. it's, uh, he's making some uh, extra dough on the side there uh, with the Bud Light sponsor. But one of the things I'm looking forward to now that the season is over is NHL free agency. I think this is going to be one of the most interesting uh, off seasons we've had in a long time. You got a flat cap due to the pandemic 
And now in two weeks, we have an expansion draft with the Seattle Kraken coming into the league. Riley, you're a Leafs fan, right? Partially. And you're, you're Philly, aren't you? You're Philly. I'm a Flyers. Flyers you're a Flyers fan. fan. The old Danny wow. Breer. He's a Danny Breer guy. That's what I remember oh, about Riley. And Mateo, I'm going to go. You're going to go Leafs fan, obviously. Yes, unfortunately. But yes. So I'm for Yeah. Don't worry. Me too. You see the poster behind me. So, so with the Leafs, they signed Jason Spezza already this, uh, the offseason. Wayne Simmons, they got under contract. If you're the GM of the Leafs, Riley, you sign a defenseman. Dougie Hamilton's available. His name's been floated out. You add more forward depth, that third line, fourth line. You like you have Kerfoot, Mikheyev, Engvall uh, there right now. Spets is going to probably be your fourth line center. Or do you trade uh, somebody to get more assets in either position, i.e. Mitch Marner, whose name has been talked about in a trade? What do you do as the GM of the Leafs? I think the Leafs should use their remaining salary cap space to spread it out along their blue line and get as much quality defenseman as they can to get that reassurance for when they score that, those four goals that they're not going to allow that fifth one in the back of their net. They have always been able to score the offense, but it's whether or not they can save the puck. That's the difference maker. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to get some better talent on the back end. Mateo, what do you think? What are you doing? Um, yeah, I agree with Riley partially. I, would, um, I don't think I'd shake up the top too much you've got your money invested in your guys and you got to roll with them i'd probably look at look at guys like tyler bertuzzi lower in the lineup i heard they're interested in garland these guys can play from two to four they're they're a bit gritty they they're feisty they could score bertuzzi scored 20 goals twice in his career back to back and he was hurt this year he was had five goals in nine games so he's someone i would look at because he's aggressive and he can score and then on the blue line i think that you have to solidify it they brought Dermot back at, I think, one and a half for two years, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good contract for a depth defenseman who's very good skater, very good passer. And then I look at someone like Derek Forbort in, um, from Winnipeg. He, he was a plus one this year, and he played about 20 minutes in the North Division, which was what one of, I think it was the highest scoring division. Yeah. Like, if, if not the highest. So someone like that who could solidify your decor, big, I think he's 6'4", can play physical, and then going with him and Muzzin, maybe, then you've got also already Riley Hall and Brody, who are, in my opinion, Muzzin and Brody and Hall are pretty solid defensemen. And then Riley, I talk with Luca about this sometimes. I'm not his biggest fan, but he brings offensive upside. So I don't know what's going to happen on the blue line, but I definitely would uh, grab some defensemen to solidify it, especially big defensemen who could play physical like Montreal's did. GM Luca, I know you're a Boston <sighs> fan, but help us out. Help, help the boys to the north out. What are you doing if you're Kyle Dubas? Uh, you know what? Uh, I don't know anymore to save this <laughs> team. There's just nothing you can do, I think, to save this team. Like, listen, they're going <laughs> to yeah. – you can't score. When they can't score, can't, it's the scoring that's the problem. The whole team's to one goal. When they score five, the other team scores six. Like, it's just something that doesn't click with Toronto and playoffs. Like, those two words just don't go together. And I'm not trying to come in here and, you know, go down on you guys because I, I honestly do think that the Leafs have one of the best rosters in the league. But it just doesn't work. Get as many defensemen as you want. You can only play six of them or seven if you want to go like that. Get as many depth guys as you want. You can only play, what is it, 12 like, what else do you want Dubas to do? He got out of cap trouble two years ago. 
thought they had a great deal in uh, in Tyson Berry. He wasn't what they thought he was going to be. Like, I honestly don't know because we're going to have this conversation leading up to the season, and we're probably going to have this conversation again next year. All right, guys, what do they got to do now? You know, is Mitch Marner the answer still? Is is Brody or is Riley the answer? Oh, do we got to switch goalies again? Like, I, I honestly have no idea what to say with this Leafs team. I just think their players have to consistently get better and just show up for once in the playoffs, get past the first round so they get more experience and then go from there. Because right now I think Dubas has done a great job. I think he's a great GM. It's just the players on the ice aren't cutting it. I honestly don't know what else you yeah. can do. It's hard because of the cap that they're in right now. And the pandemic, I think, really screwed up the plans for the Maple Leafs. If like if there was no pandemic, the cap would have been way way up right now and again they could afford like more depth pieces you saw tampa bay and like blake coleman and barclay goodrow like those guys are the depth that you need to go far in a playoff run and then again the defensive end you have you have headman sergachev mcdonough like these types of guys you really need on your blue end and the, like i like brody i like muzzin hall has been a pleasant surprise riley his contracts up after this season I don't think he's a number one defenseman on any other team besides the Maple Leafs. And I would really, really like a Dougie Hamilton on that blue line to really solidify. You have Brody, Dougie, and Muzzin really anchoring the three D pairs. And then you can slot in Sandine, uh, Dermot, and obviously somebody else that they're going to have to bring up, maybe Lilligren. That's where I think the Leafs need to look at is their depth. You saw with it again, throwing it back to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look at all the guys that have came up through their system. Sorelli, um, Johnson came up through their system uh, uh, a lot. Um, what's his name? Matthew Joseph, um, the guy who scored the goal, the one goal in the Stanley Cup final. Ross Forget Colton. It. Ross Colton came up through their system. Stam Coast, they drafted like all these guys. Hedman, they drafted. Vassy, they drafted. All these guys drafted. You got to give them a chance to shine and a chance. Adam Brooks, another guy who had, I think, had played great on that fourth line uh, under the tutelage of, again, he had Jason Spezza and and Joel Thorne, but they were playing great. So I think they really need to look to Nick Robertson. I'm forgetting as well. They got to look to their depth in their in their system to really help them out because the cap, they I don't think they can do much with the cap. So we're running low on time because of uh, this Zoom meeting here. So let's quickly get to free agents. Is there one free, like, give me a free agent rally. Where is he going? How much is he signing for? And how big of an impact is he going to make to the team that he's going to? Well, going over to Luca's Boston team, I think they need to use their actual salary cap remaining to sign who they had last year. The David Krejci's, the Taylor Halls, the Tuka Rasks. They have all that depth they need. They just got unlucky. I I'm a big fan of Boston. I think they can go all the way. Preach. But not this year. Don't tune his horn too much, Riley. But maybe 2023. (laughs) I'll give them 2023, but they have all the right pieces to make the right run. They just need to add a couple pieces during free agency. A couple extra pieces, I should say. Mateo, what free agent are you looking at? Um, There's a couple. Um... Are we talking about for the Leafs or are we talking about in general? In general, any team yeah, in the league, no more, who, no more like Zach players. Hyman's, the right. Taylor Hall's, Dougie Hamilton's, okay. uh, Alexander Ovechkin's the number one yeah. thing, but I think he's going to go to Washington to end his career. But which Definitely. free agent are you looking at? Um, I think I've heard buzz about Hyman going to Edmonton. I could see that happening. Um, That's a tough one. 
it is a tough one. But personally, I've had the inclination for a while now. It's not a free agent, but I think that Eichel is going to LA. Yeah. Um, I think they have the pieces to trade for him. Um, they have Doughty, who's running out of time there, um, getting older. I think that personally, I've said it for a while. I, I just have a feeling I think he's going to LA because they have the pieces to trade for him and they already have their young guys coming up uh, that could like help support him. I think like, with Byfield there already and they need their mm-hmm. support. So I think Eichel goes to uh, LA if he is going to get traded. Riley, you want to counter that? Oh, sorry. Because I think he's going to Vegas. I think he's oh, going everyone. to the Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers, I was going to say. They, they I think he's going to go to Vegas because Vegas is in on everybody. And again, uh-huh. Vegas, they want Vegas to win. They've been too close. One. They don't have a number They're one center. They're just too close to the Stanley Cup. They need that number one centerman. And Jack Eichel is going to do it. I don't know if that next surgery he's getting is going to keep him out for the whole year. But, so but who are they we'll going to give up? Who's Vegas going to give up for Eichel? I don't know. Just more prospects, I guess. <laughs> just more get rid of the farm for a Stanley Cup. Two mm-hmm. years of drafting prospects. You have a lot of prospects. Of Stanley Cup. They got a Stanley Cup. What would you What would you rather have? A Stan, a Stanley Cup or, or prospects? A dented cup. A dented cup. Exactly. Luca, as we're running out of time, we got seven minutes to go. What do you yeah. think? Oh, I'm going crazy. I'm going another trade. Flurry back to Pittsburgh. Oh, listen, I, it could happen. Maybe. I don't know. It seems like the NHL is the least exciting sport when it comes to trades, but I, I think it's definitely a possibility the way that they went out to the Islanders and how Jari kind of just screwed up game number five and, and Flurry and Leonard. I think it's very disrespectful what they're doing. Pick a goalie stick with one. Okay. Stop with this flip flopping here. Okay. You got a Vesna trophy winner or you want Robin Leonard to come in whenever Flurry makes a mistake. Like he's always looking over his shoulder Jari's young. I get this, but Pittsburgh's in the same situation as Boston. All their old players are getting older and their prime players are probably not going to be as impactful as they are in the next couple of years. So they got to go for a run now. I hope Boston does something like this, but I think Pittsburgh's going to go all in. They don't have a lot of time left. So Flurry back to Pittsburgh for one final cup run. You can say if Flurry was in net, would they be in the Islanders? You never know, but maybe because Jari was okay, but there were some goals that shouldn't have went in, and Sorokin just stole the show, and the Islanders went to the conference final. So I think if they trade for Flurry, it's going to be very interesting and a really cool reunion to see. Riley, as we end up the show here, I just want to get – yeah, we Mateo and I talked about our Leafs. Luca got his Bruins in. He got his pick. What are your flyers you think uh, should do? They had a great bubble season, like leading up to that bubble, they were they were playing great, but then really took a step back this this season. What do you think they need to do? They need to get Carter Hart some new confidence. He played like an absolute maniac in his first season playing for the Flyers, and last year he was an absolute sieve. He was like a cheese grater. Everything was going past the guy. It was just sad to watch being a Flyers <laughs> fan. Guy. It was just sad. I think they need to get him a different goalie coach, just like Carey Price did this year. And get him going, get something else in his mojo, and get him fired up. Perfect, and that should perfect. do them. I love it, boys. Thank you guys for tuning in as we wrap it up. Duncan Keith to the Oilers. Yep. Wow. Great. I think great move for the Oilers. Get some veteran defensemen. Uh, I, I don't know if that what means for Tyson Berry, if they're going to bring him back, the leading def- scoring defenseman last season. But great veteran presence there in Duncan Keith. Uh, quickly, what do we think about that, Riley? I think if I pass the puck to McDavid, I could also lead the NHL in scoring. You were a good passer to back in the day. Too much. You were a great passer. Mateo, what do you think? Um, I think that he is – I think he just brought there for experience, help solidify that decor, 
um, similar to Bogosian coming to the Leafs. Um, but it's not terrible for Edmonton, not low risk, and uh, he's been there and done that. So just for the experience, he's getting old. Luca. Yeah, like it. Who cares? And Chicago sucks now anyway, so he wanted yeah. out. Uh, Riley, Mateo, thank you guys for coming on. We're obviously going to have you guys back on the pod uh, down the road, talk some hockey, talk some football. I know you guys are big football fans. Riley, I just want to clarify because Luca's been asking me, you're a Rams fan, aren't you? No, that's uh, Jordan Colangelo. I'm a Jordan Bills fan. You're a Bills, Bills fan. Oh, Fuck yeah. He's a Patriots fan. Oh, God. And Mateo, what's your team, buddy? Chargers. The Chargers, big. All right. I don't want to say my team. It's embarrassing. I'm not that big of a football fan. Big Seattle Seahawks fan, Russell Wilson, baby. (laughs) Thank you guys so much, Riley, Mateo, for coming on the pod today. And, uh, yeah, that wraps it up. Thanks for having me. We'll end it here. We're back here, me and Luca. Thank you to Riley and Mateo for coming on uh, the pod, discussing some hockey with us. Great takes. Um, and excited to, to put this pod out for, for everybody to hear. Uh, the Blue Jays. Let's go end the show with the Blue Jays. Halfway through the season, the All-Star game, uh, the Home Run Derby is actually happening as we speak right now on this Monday night. All-Star game is on Tuesday. The Blue Jays, they got four uh, All-Stars. Marcus Simeon, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Teoscar Hernandez. Um, we're going to grade them on their first half. Uh, what do you think for a grade you're going to give the Blue Jays on their first half, Luca? They're 45 and 42, fourth in the, the AL East. What are you giving them? Uh, I, I, you know, well, F for Montoyo. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> but I think the team, man, I don't know, C plus, man. It hasn't been good. Like, they've got to be better than this. A lot of games still to go. That's the one thing about baseball. I truly believe the best team in the end wins. There's so many games. To be three games about 500, four and six in your last 10, it's very, very frustrating, this team. And we've said it multiple times. We've never seen a team blow more leads after seven innings in my life. Okay? And they've done that. And that's the reason they're – it seems like they're getting – like this is the, this, these are what good teams do and bad teams do. Right now, they're not a good team. They'll win four or five. Okay? And instead of losing two, winning another four, like the good teams do, they'll win four to six, but then they'll lose another four and they'll just eliminate what they did in the last series. That's what they're doing. They're not consistent enough. And that's why they're close to 500, 500 mediocre team. You win the exact same amount of games as you lose. And that is what's been happening. They're winning six. They're losing five. They're winning six. They're losing four. They're winning three. They're losing four. Like they're just eliminating everything that they've been doing right when it seems to be looking up for the Jays. Okay. This is it. We're going to be five games over 500. We're a bit closer to the wild card race. Jays are out of this wild card race. I don't know. I don't think, you know, people realize that Toronto is eight games back in the division, four and a half of the wild card spot. Now, it doesn't seem a lot because, again, there are a lot of games up, but it's still four and a half games back. Okay. They can't do this because one of these teams couldn't even pull ahead of them. The Yankees, who we talked about, are now tied with Toronto. Like, come on. Like, enough of this. They have four all stars. Can't be doing this. And they're acquiring right hands. They just drafted a pitcher last night, but. Montoya's got to be better for sure. I do think he's blown us a lot of games this year, but even the rotation too, 
at the end of the day, Montoya bringing you in or not, you still got to close out the games. So hopefully they're better in situational batting, but C plus right now because they have to be better. And that, that's being generous, I think. Wow. You're being really hard, I think, on these Toronto Blue Jays. My grade, I, I'm giving them a, a B or a B plus. Uh, what? They're 45 and 42. Listen to me. Hear me out. George Springer, their, their signing, their big signing the offseason has played what? Barely a month for the Blue Jays. He hasn't even gotten going yet. And you already have four all-stars in your lineup right now. Imagine George Springer getting going right now. You have Gurriel as well. Randall Gritchick has been up and down this season. If he gets hot again, come down the stretch July, August, you could see this Jays team make a push. Also, Luca, you got to cut these guys from some slack. They've been playing in Dunedin for half of uh, half of the first half, and then in Buffalo. They're not playing in the Rogers Center. Vladdy, Bo, and Biggio have barely played played more games outside of the Rogers Center than they've had than they in their careers than they played in the Rogers Center. So you got to cut this team some slack because every time they face the Yankees in Buffalo, it's going to be a home game for the Yankees. It's hard to play like that. It really is. And Ryu hasn't even pitched in the, in the Rogers Center yet, and he's supposed to be our ace. Another bright spot for the Blue Jays. Robbie Ray has been, I think, Whoa. is the new ace of this team. Yeah. He is up like, up, uh, what's the word? Overcome Ryu as the number one pitcher yeah. uh, for this team. If we're going into a one-game wild card, I want Robbie Ray on the mound because he is pitching unbelievable. He just had a no-hitter going into the seventh against the Rays last night after they just pummeled us in, in, in two in Friday night and Saturday night's game or Saturday afternoon's game. Cut this Jays team some slack. Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins are making some moves. The deadline is later this month. They need to acquire another starting pitcher and maybe, I would say, one or two more bullpen arms, and you could see this team go up. Luca, that 2015 team we talked about last week was 500 at the at the deadline, and they won the division. Well, so if, they, if they're going to trade gonna, for I'm not Chris saying, Sale – and if they're going to trade for, you know, Tatis, I don't see that. I'm not happening. saying, I'm not saying, you want to hear a fun fact? Tatis has more errors than Bo Bichette at first base. No, that I know. He's they're at, at shortstop. So like, and we don't really, and no one's really talking about how bad Tatis has been at shortstop. It's because he's hitting the ball. If Bo Bichette was hitting 330 right now with, with 25 bombs, we wouldn't really uh, matter about the, about the errors at shortstop. That's going to come. But I just think you need to cut this Jays team some slack. Let Mark Shapiro, let Ross Atkins, Ross Atkins do the work. And uh, we'll see come September, August, late August, how this team shapes out. But cut them some slack, B-plus for me. Uh, finally, to wrap up the Jays, expectations for the second half. What do you want to see from them? Be more consistent. I mean, what else could you really want from this team? Um, we were high on them coming up. I think a lot of analysts coming into the season were high on them. I think, I, I think they know they're a really good team, and I, and I think the record doesn't show it. Hopefully Springer can play, but again, like even without Springer, this is a really good lineup. Mm-hmm. A lineup that – am I going to say that needs Springer? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they're really good without him. He just He's just the cherry on top. I mean, yeah. you have a World Series MVP, and if you can go back to that mark, maybe – his war, you know, he gets a little bit more games that he wins for us. But we got Vladdy, like he's in triple crown conversation, baby. Okay, we, we, not this if is Shohei Otani has anything to say about it. Yeah, Shohei Otani. Vladdy's gonna go down as one of the best players 
uh, best seasons to not win an MVP. For sure. This. What did I say at the start of the season, Luca? Yeah. You, I'll, you, I'll keep going back it. to that. I'll keep going back to that. And you're right. Consistency uh, is the main thing I want to see in the second half. Get some more arms and maybe another position player. When Corey Dickerson comes back, that just adds another left-handed bat. He's played in the AL East. Uh, yeah. in his career so that's just going to add some more uh that wraps up the show luca uh want to thank riley mateo once again for for coming on talking some hockey with us and ladies and gentlemen you can hear this podcast l2 sports podcast on the apple podcast spotify google podcast breaker podcasts pocket cast pardon me and radio public all those platforms you can listen to these two dummies talk about some sports luca <laughs> lucas thank you for tuning in And we'll see you guys next week. Take it easy.